0: The Trilogy Podcast with Vin and Scott. Three movies, two men, one podcast. Two men enter, one man leaves. We don't need another evil. We don't need to know the way home All we want is what the are Ah, in listening to this song, Scott, it occurs to me that Heroes come in all shapes and sizes, don't they? It's true. You know, personally, I think we do need another hero. I I almost agree with you. I mean, we've seen so many heroes in our journey through these trilogies, Scott, haven't we? We have. I mean, because after all, we are, ladies and gentlemen, the trilogy podcast the only podcast in the universe dedicated strictly to trilogies no reboots Mm -mm. no straight to cable Uh -uh. we're bringing you facts debate trivia and more to hell with the movie if they made four scott yes and that's our credo here at the trilogy podcast as always i'm vin and i'm scott and we're trying to bring you every trilogy that has ever been made why don't you reveal to us right now, Scott, if people don't know, this is a pretty iconic song for an iconic trilogy, all right? But why don't you reveal to everyone what we're doing this time around? Uh, the Mad Max Trilogy. Mm, Mad Max. Yes. And that connects to a lot of things going on, I think, right now in our in our world. The fires are out, so... Well, that's uh, good. That's right? good. They won't end up... They've staved off that future for a few more years. So that's, you know? let's celebrate Australia. Yes. And this is kind of part of our little world tour, the last couple of episodes we've done. We were in England for Bridget Jones and then in in China for Kung Fu Panda. Yeah, we kicked the year off uh, internationally. Last March, the episode we released was uh, Thor hmm. uh, starring Australia's homeboy himself, you know, Chris Hemsworth. You think we didn't do that on purpose, folks? <laughs> it's guys, it's Australia month here at the yeah. podcast right here. Now I'm promising you next March, Crocodile Dundee. See you there. Yep. That's going to be our other Australian episode, and ultimately Mad Max, Crocodile Dundee, guy in Australia, pretty much the same story. So, (laughs) you you know, come on. A lot of similarities there. let's not... (laughs) Mostly the accent, but... This is yet another car movie for us, I wanted to mention. This involves vehicles and cars, and we dealt with that with uh, Smokey and the Bandit in a big way. Yeah, I thought there were some similarities there. A lot of stunt work. Yeah, and down the road, we're going to deal with cars again when we do... Cars. cars. Yeah. Well, Mm -hmm. all right. It is what it is (laughs) here at the Trilogy Podcast. (laughs) And also, I was excited that we were doing this because I've been obsessed with the show Aussie Gold Hunters, a reality show on Netflix about people in the Outback looking for gold. (laughs) So that's a fantasy of mine. Well, I went to an Outback Steakhouse the other night. All connected. We're not fucking around, folks. (laughs) Everything connected. I was fucking around. I, I, I didn't go to Outback. You goddamn liar. I'm sorry. Let's jump right into the kind of trilogy. This is pretty obvious. All right, but as always, we're going to (sighs) Trilogy Bot. He's going to tell you what kind of trilogy this is, and here he goes. Obviously, Mad Max is an army of one trilogy, one man against the world, spread across three films. You're both lucky you're not trying to survive an apocalyptic wasteland. Vin, you would be forced to sell your body for food and drink. Scott, you would be dead. He's insulting, Scott. He's insulting. And I, mm-hmm. I have feelings that get hurt. I, I do. Yes. <laughs> like Fuck. he said that like you're the only one. <laughs> no, I'm just saying. When I he, mean, I have feelings I that know, get hurt. Listen, and I know most people don't. <laughs> when he attacks me personally, Scott. But he couldn't be more right, as always. Of course. This is an army of one trilogy. This is one man against everything. Max, what's his last name? It's... Ronkowski. Ronkatowski. I think they say it just in the first one. They don't get into it in the other... Yeah. He's more of a man with no name, just a guy on the road. Yeah, just kind of floating through life. So, Scott, there is no better time to get into your awesome descriptions of the plot points in these films? Yes. All right. Uh, I'm ready, and I'm excited. So, just get right to that. Don't. Ah, 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 don't, don't I see your lips trying to do something. Don't, oh, I was sorry. I was just looking over my notes. Just That's look over your notes, and yeah. then just go right into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I just need a second just to Okay, look at, go ahead. If you just give me a couple seconds. I can't wait. I love this part. I just need to uh, hit a couple of notes. Scott's Plots. It's a Scott's Plots. He's showing you the plot and his name is Scott. He's a man and a myth and a legend too. Scott's Plots. I love you. Oh, no, no, no. No. Don't. All right, Scott. That was mildly disturbing as always. Sure. It almost had a post apocalyptic, futuristic musical feel to it. Sure. A little Tina Turner yeah. inspired. Yeah. Little Tina, you summoned up the spirit of the desert. You've summoned the spirit of the devil. All right, go ahead. These are the plots. Uh, As usual, uh, it's going to be very bare bones. Not a whole lot of uh, significant details from the movies. Just a generic idea of what happens in the movies. For those of you who have seen them and uh, haven't rewatched them in a while, we got you covered. And if you've never seen them and don't care, we got you covered too. Perfect. All right, so we'll start it off here with the one that started it all, Mad Max. 1979 in the near future in australia a highway cop pursues a biker gang member leading a high-speed chase ultimately ending with the biker gang member dying in a fiery wreck i mean clearly that's lemmy from motorhead that he was chasing right that's who i thought it was <laughs> i said is that lemmy from motorhead that's being chased lemmy. yeah in the beginning <laughs> but no i looked no. it up <laughs> just to be sure just had to check The leader and his biker gang terrorize a nearby town culminating in an attack on a young couple and their car on the side of the highway. When the highway cop and his partner arrive, they find a young gang member still on the scene and they arrest him. But when no one shows up to testify against the young gang member, the police are forced to let him go, much to the highway cop's partner's chagrin. The young gang member then ambushes the highway cop's partner on the road, causing him to crash. The young gang member ignites the fuel leaking from the vehicle, burning the highway cop's partner all over his body. Stop. Hold on. You've put two very big events together into one event. (laughs) The I didn't think they were that big of events. It, this is huge. <laughs> he rigs the guy's motorcycle to crash. Right. Okay. It, it works. He crashes. It also doesn't work right. because he lives. He lives. <laughs> not only does he live, but he's unharmed. Yeah. And is so unharmed that he calls a tow truck, gets a ride back, then he's driving again. Yeah. So how is it possible that the second option of just throwing something through his windshield is the fail safe? That's the one that worked. Right. Yeah. Not the fixing the brakes, not rigging his motorcycle or cutting his brake lines or something instead. No, and said, no throw just a fucking piece of metal through the windshield from a mountaintop. Well, yeah, I, I, I kind of just breezed over it because it's like, well, uh, we don't need to know how many times he tried. He just, he he tried, he did. And then uh, Johnny Boy or whatever his name is at the end, when he's lighting him on fire, yeah. suddenly he has a, a crisis of conscience. He's like, I don't want to yeah. do it. It's like, bitch, yeah. you just sabotaged this guy two times in a row. Yeah. You raped a woman on the side of the road and helped right. rape her husband, I believe. He run yeah. Fardis with a bloody butthole. Yeah. So what? Yeah. No, they. they Suddenly yeah. he's like, I can't burn the guy. Burn yeah. the guy. Yeah. Burn him. Yeah. <laughs> like, light another match. Yeah. No, I don't know. <laughs> light another one. Like, yeah. I almost wanted his guy that was provoking him, what's his name? The toe cutter? To give him a double take, like, are, are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> like, Suddenly really, now, dude? Yeah. You know the life you're in. You know the world we live in. Look though. at how we're dressed. This is ridiculous. This Come is what up. we do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> When the highway cop sees his charred partner, he (laughs) just... He's very charred. He is, he's quite charred. And he looks down and the char causes a glare against Mel Gibson's face. It's so bright. He's so charred. He's still glowing. We don't even see him, it's it's his charred reflection. Yeah. (laughs) When the highway cop sees his charred partner, he decides to quit the police force but his boss convinces him to take some time off and think about it. Mm. The highway cop takes his wife and kid on a vacation, but when they stop for a flat tire, they run into the biker gang and are forced to escape to a friend's farm. Mel Gibson isn't taking this seriously at all. He's so upset by what this gang has done to his friend, he quits the force. Then... When his wife is harassed, they're joking about it once they get to the farm. He lets her go off again by herself. Right. Can you be more worried? I mean, it, yeah. it, it's ridiculous. Also, I'd like to say this is another time where it's like complete happenstance, too. Like, it's not like the gang is like going after his family. They just happened to be there and it had happened no to idea be that it Yeah. They had no idea that, that this woman was somehow connected to Mad Max in any way. And right? clearly she doesn't describe them well enough to him that he thinks it's the same people so he's I don't know there's no reason he shouldn't be very protective of her right and he's not yeah but I wrote that down too I wrote what a coincidence dot dot (laughs) dot come on We just go to the same place for ice cream. What a (laughs) weird coincidence. Wouldn't you know it? The horrible murderous gang is also at that ice cream parlor. (laughs) Yeah, you thought you were safe. Even bad guys like ice cream. Hey, I like a scoop myself. (laughs) But the biker gang finds them at the farm and kills the highway cop's wife and child. Enraged, the highway cop suits up and hunts down the biker gang forcing them off the road and into traffic, killing most of them in fiery wrecks. (laughs) (laughs) It's unclear who's who. You don't really know who he's killing. You're like, oh, after I learned all these character names. After all (laughs) this nonsense of the wife and her whole journey, eh, she's dead anyway, so is the son. Yeah. Hey. It just happened so quickly. There's that scene in the hospital where they're like, she's really fucked up and uh, don't tell him. And he's like hiding behind a door listening or whatever. Yeah, yeah. The highway cop finds the young gang member near a wrecked vehicle, handcuffs him to it, and sets a delayed fuse to ignite the gasoline pouring from the vehicle. The highway cop throws the young gang member a hacksaw, giving him a chance to escape. But as the highway cop rides away, the car explodes, killing the young gang member. And obviously, a favorite film of yours I know, Scott, was inspired by that last scene, Saw. Yeah. It's... You can either die or be forced to hack off your leg. Right, yeah. You know, I don't and know. there's the, the thought of, like, what's quicker? Going through my leg, right. going through this, yeah. That That's kind of psychological of. torture of that, yeah. Uh, yeah. I thought of that, and then in reading about this uh, trilogy online, a lot of people have made that reference. There's really? been a lot of people oh, saying, oh. oh, yeah. So, yeah, that was uh, Mad Max, and we'll move right along to Mad Max 2, The Road Warrior. 1982. Years after the death of his family, the highway cop is no longer a highway cop, but now aimlessly drives through the desert looking for gas with a dog and a shotgun. He comes across a biker gang led by a man dressed like a crow, and after they leave, siphons gas from a nearby truck. The former highway cop sees a small helicopter and attempts to siphon its gas, but finds the pilot nearby. The pilot tells him about a compound with an oil refinery, so the former highway cop takes him prisoner and forces the pilot to take him there. Mm. When they arrive, the compound is being overrun by the biker gang, of which Crow Man is a member and is led by a muscle man in a hockey (laughs) mask. This is the commune of the fair-haired people (laughs) who wear more light-colored clothing. (laughs) So much of the costuming, and we'll talk a little more about the costuming in this movie, but you really see it with this camp that they Mel stumbles upon here. It really feels like a bunch of children putting on whatever clothes their six-year-old mind think looks good together yeah a tutu with an army hat and a jacket (laughs) yeah you know there's no rules when it comes to attire in this world the former highway cop waits around the compound and sees a group of the oil people being attacked by the biker gang and after they've almost all been killed or captured former highway cop makes a deal with one of the dying oil people for some gas in exchange for returning him to the compound when Mel saves the life of that guy, okay, yeah. there's that long shot of him and helicopter man with binoculars and a long telescope. Yes. The a little Abbott and Costello scene up there with the telescope and the binoculars. Yeah. They're watching this woman be raped by the gang. And you keep saying to yourself, well, naturally Mel's going to run down there and save her, right? Right. He's going to go down and save her, right? Yeah. No. No, he he lets all of them die, and then there's one left, and he's like, now's my chance. Yeah. But when former highway cop gets back to the compound, the oil guy he made a deal with dies, and the head oil guy takes former highway cop prisoner. Muscleman Hockey Mask arrives at the compound and offers them a deal for safe passage out of the compound in exchange for all their fuel. Former highway cop then makes a deal for his release and all the gas he can carry in exchange for a truck that can haul the gas tanker. Lots of deals are being made here. Struck left and right, yeah. (laughs) You know, you, you go with the devil you know. we like the lesser of the two evils where you're like, well, that guy's wearing a hockey mask and not much else. And this yeah. guy, I can see his face. So uh, let's go with him. Yeah. He seems a little nicer. Yeah. He didn't try and kill all of us immediately. Right. And he brought one of us back. Yeah. Like trust him earlier, maybe. You know, maybe we, we should have trusted him right off the bat. Well, it's the world. Scott, it's the post-apocalyptic world. That it's is the- true. So I have no experience in that. So I have a little. I worked in Patterson for a time. The highway cop meets back up with the helicopter pilot and once again takes him prisoner, kinda. (laughs) And they recover the truck and drive it back to the compound, followed closely by the biker gang. The oil people want former highway cop to stay and help them escape, but he takes his car and his gas and leaves. But when trying to get past the biker gang former highway cop is driven off the road and seriously injured (laughs) all for naught there's no evasion in any of these movies it's just hey I know there's a convoy up ahead let's go straight through them yeah how about go around them (laughs) this would be like if uh, Han Solo decided to leave and was immediately killed by the Empire like (laughs) just Millennium Falcon explodes that's exactly right it's interesting that he's just kind of a selfish asshole in this whole movie and this might be my favorite one yeah (laughs) the hell Helicopter pilot finds and rescues former highway cop and returns him to the oil compound, where now he agrees to help them escape. Former highway cop drives the truck while the oil people escape in a school bus and blow up the compound. With the help of some oil people, former highway cop fights off the biker gang and kills muscle man hockey mask and crow man in a head-on collision with the truck. Another head-on collision. They, they always look cool. Maybe the plan you know? isn't to drive your vehicle directly into the bigger, faster-moving vehicle. It's always I don't the, know. the last resort, you know? Like, the, all right, here we go. I yeah. got nothing left. Like, Meanwhile, it's like, you don't even need the road. Most of these vehicles have big tires. Just drive around them. Just drive through the desert. You're right. in a desert. Yeah. Fuck the road. <laughs> go around <laughs> What do you them. need it for? Yeah. Most of them have dune buggies anyway, In so. An Aussie gold hunter, Scott. They're off-road. <laughs> they don't need the road. They're, They're finding constantly. gold. They're in the outback. Yes. After the crash, we see the truck had been filled with sand all along as a decoy so the oil people could escape with the fuel. The pilot becomes the oil people leader and they start a new tribe. Fantastic ending, I thought. Yes. I really thought that was a slick decoy ending, really liked it. I was fooled. I didn't think that yeah. was, you know. Yeah, I didn't really even think about it. And I, I was like ah. how the, the feral child goes on to be the well-spoken narrator. Yes. Pretty slick. Yes. A little unbelievable that a helicopter guy <laughs> would run the gang, but, Uh-oh. you know, the last shot of the road warrior on the road there. Right. Like. I guess they set up that he would run the gang because he was kind of sweet-talking that one girl. So yes. I guess, you know, that's his in. His, that's why he's the Oh, leader. yeah, his little side plot with Olivia Newton-John. Oh. Yeah. Come with me. Yeah. Yeah. I do like the last line of the movie, too. The, the now he exists only in my memories. Like, no, he exists somewhere. (laughs) Just not to you. But I could say the same thing about, like, the guy who cut my hair when I was a kid. You know what I mean? (laughs) He exists now only in my memory. (laughs) Well, I'm never going to see him again. Like, like Scott Murray's still there. He's still cutting (laughs) hair. Just go to... I mean, he misses you. <laughs> yeah, he, a- he asked about you. So, uh, yeah, we ended off here with Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. 1985. Years later, former highway cop is riding through the desert when his wagon and his belongings are stolen by a man and his child in a small plane. Now, be aware that even though that's the same character that was the helicopter guy in the last film, it's not the same character. It's not the same right. guy. Right. It's, it's the same actor playing an two incredibly different, similar characters. Very similar dude. Yeah. Yeah. I had to check that out because I'm like, why are they acting like they don't know each other at the end? Yeah. Former highway cop follows them to a small community powered by pig shit and run by Tina Turner. I also just want to quickly point out uh, my phone autocorrected uh, Tina Turner to Tuna Turner. Just tells Just me to <laughs> you're typing in the word. That you're typing in the word tuna pretty more than you should be <laughs> typing it. I do like tuna. All right, well you're, and, mean, you're t- and you're telling people, but I do like to think the tuna turner is like some sort of sandwich you can get at a diner. A tuna know? turner, like like imagine it's like a, an open faced tuna melt, and then you turn it over that and works. ruin it. <laughs> it's been a while since you've given us a, a recipe, Scott. Yes. There yeah. are, have been some episodes where you've regaled us with your cooking. You know abilities. what? Maybe someday I'll make some videos of me making these things. That is a great <laughs> we'll idea. We'll put them on our YouTube and we'll hey, share them Hey, man, when we made those s'mores that time. We got the Karate Kid Girl to respond That's, to yes, us. Um, yes, hey. Mary Mauser. You think Tina Turner will respond to us if we somehow get word to her that you're making a Tuna Turner? Maybe who knows you know she's got that musical coming out maybe she's gonna do some publicity it's she, out my brother yeah so she could you know all right it's possible maybe i'll wait for her by the stage door and i'll bring her a, a tuna turner Scott, just move on move okay on. sorry okay do you think she would like that or? just go okay i mean I'm you know uh, okay with, with the, okay the, sorry tuna. no 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 sorry, sorry sorry okay where were we um seriously tuna turner great okay right the community's power is managed by a dwarf riding a giant who has been challenging Tina Turner of late in exchange the for- The dwarf doesn't seem very smart, though. They're like, he's the brains behind this operation. He doesn't he seem very smart. He can barely speak English. Can't ve- speak well. He's very stilted. His stunted. ideas aren't very good. Yeah. Like, that guy's so strong, like, three guys can't just kind of knock him down and kill him? Like, what? <laughs> right, How powerful yeah. are you, Tina? You've got ten guys guarding <laughs> you upstairs. Send them downstairs! Yeah. Here you do, here's what you do, Tina. Just have someone sneak up behind him and then get on all fours and have someone just push him. In exchange for all of his stuff back, Tina Turner wants the former highway cop to kill the dwarf's giant bodyguard in a cage match while attached to rubber bands. <laughs> You're like, what in the hell is going on here? I got to tell you, uh, I I had not seen these movies. Uh, Yeah. And in my mind, Thunderdome was like, a huge thing like a coliseum exactly uh, where there was like a huge battle or I just maybe could uh, not agree more a, a, a death race type thing going on or something and when I saw it was that I was fucking yeah outraged. yeah I was like this is Thunderdome it's like this is a wrestling we're match we're gonna get beyond this shit so fast <laughs> Like, <laughs> this can't be the whole movie like just looking beyond the Thunderdome I'm beyond the Thunderdome <laughs> I, I, uh, I can see all the way past it it's timing <laughs> It's very small. It's a small little wooden cage. Didn't Ric Flair fight Hulk Hogan in this (laughs) Thunderdome? In a bigger cage than that. Yeah. Yeah. Really? And not on rubber bands. On American gladiator style rubber bands bouncing around like racks. Smacking into each other. Like out of control fools. You know, I feel like the title of this movie came from like, George Miller was like talking about the new movie and he's like, well, I got this one idea where like they fight on these rubber bands and this big thing and it's called Thunderdome. And someone just went, do you have any other ideas? beyond thunderdome (laughs) and he was like what a great title and no No, i don't rubber bands it'll be (laughs) i'll go find the (laughs) biggest rubber bands i can find (laughs) i wrote is this a comedy now what is going on in here just just flat nonsense i don't know what's going on Former highway cop defeats the giant and is about to kill him, but then discovers the giant is mentally challenged. And former highway cop starts to feel real weird about the whole thing <laughs> and <laughs> refuses to kill him. Yeah, that's exactly right, Scott. <laughs> it's weird. What are you doing? You're he's having like, me kill a guy with Down syndrome. Like, oh my God. That what? actor yeah. in real life has Down syndrome. Yeah this it's is all, cruel i don't getting yeah dirty now he doesn't even understand what he's doing you how gotta, is this like, not thought of in 1985 <laughs> the movie mask came out this same year what's going on <laughs> uh, i think i mean i think he wanted people to be creeped out <laughs> to go like wow uh, yeah. Turner turner's really evil that's australia come on tuna turner hey, come on scott <laughs> <laughs> tina turner has the giant killed the dwarf imprisoned, and former highway cop is banished to the desert on a horse. After his horse dies in a sinkhole, former highway cop is found by a group of children and teens whose parents survived a plane crash, created this community, then went to find help, and never came back. Another one of your favorite movies. Sort of referenced here. Hook. Hook, yeah. Peter Pan. Entirely. Yeah. These yeah. are the Lost We've Boys. We've talked about it. I was going to say, I'm like, it's weird. We've talked about it a lot lately. But, yeah. uh Yeah, it's yeah, that's, definitely. That's, even, there's, no, <coughs> there's no doubt about it. Everything he says, they keep repeating. And he's like, shut up. shut And I'm like, that's, there's like a scene like that in Hook of him being annoyed by, like, it's almost. And, and we, are the, exact we are the first ones to realize that a lot of people made that connection when this movie was uh, reviewed. Oh, I mean, their, I mean, their whole plot is very Lost Boys. Yep. It's very Peter Pan. Mm-hmm. Like, they're waiting for a guy who can fly to come back. You yeah. know what I mean? But at the same time, it's got a lot of cargo cult features, which is an interesting phenomenon that occurred around the time of World War II. I'm gonna yeah. get into it. Look it up on Wikipedia. The kids believe former highway cop to be the pilot of the plane returned to take them to the promised land. But former highway cop assures them that is all bullshit. Some of the kids leave anyway in search of a new community, and former highway cop has to rescue them. With little supplies left, there is no choice but to go back to Tina Turner Town. Former highway cop and the kids break in, free the dwarf, and escape in a train. Perfect example of what I was talking about before. Fucking eight kids take down the entire underground of Barter Town. Yeah. Tina Turner couldn't handle this without Mel Gibson? Yeah. Come on! It just seemed like the movie needed to end soon. Yeah, the kids are just kind of fucking around down there, and they took over the whole operation. Yeah. Tina Turner and her crew pursue them until the train tracks end and we once again meet the father and son in the plane from earlier. Former highway cop tells the pilot to take the kids while he smashes headfirst into Tina Turner's crew, creating a path of escape, (laughs) after which Tina Turner lets him go. (laughs) before tina lets him go though i like how he grabs the dwarf and he's like you're not gonna get this dwarf and holding the dwarf <laughs> under his arm he jumps from one part of the train to the other you're like this guy's just escaping with the dwarf now <laughs> yeah, yeah what you know this has become uh, like groundhog day when yeah. he steals the groundhog. <laughs> exactly and then after all that after everything she just lets him go yeah She's like, ha, you did pretty good there, Mad Max. And then she just leaves. Dirty man on the highway. <laughs> yeah. The children are flown to Sydney, where they start a new life and tell stories of former highway cop. Boy, the 80s really predicted that things were gonna go down downhill very fast. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Scott, there's not a ton that goes with this, honestly. It's not like these casts. Um, went from film to film. First, I think it's important we talk a little bit about uh, George Miller, the director of all three of these films. Yes. Dude was a doctor that saw some damage on the highway and was inspired to be a filmmaker. Yeah. Right? Um, And he put his head together with this guy named uh, Byron Kennedy, and uh, they made a film called Violence in the Cinema that Mm -hmm. was popular, and it spawned this film. The first film, Mad Max. Okay? Ultra low budget. For a while, it was the most profitable movie per the amount of money spent. Biggest return. Biggest mm-hmm. return. Yeah. Okay. So it was, the, and it was in the Guinness Book for a while as as that. It was wow. In the Guinness Book, huh. it's since been passed by two other films: Blair Witch Project. Wow. Yeah. And then um, Paranormal Activity. Oh, okay. Both horror movies yeah. that are can be made for a, a very cheap price and can be surprisingly a hit. Yeah. Exactly. So I think this movie, the first one here. Even more to um, George Miller's credit that he was able to do so much with an action movie on so little a budget. Right. It's sort of like, you know, physical horrors, though. Indeed. We talked about how it spawned horror films, for God's sake. Right. The violence was controversial for the time, but now in retrospect, it's nothing. Yeah. Especially the first film. It's nothing. Really? You know? know, they don't show that guy really catch on fire. You see his burnt hand. They cut away every every time you're about to see the, the so, really gross thing. You don't see it. Featuring uncensored sexuality and hardcore thrills. Mad Max 2. At this point, uh George Miller's kind of getting big he actually turned down first blood to revisit oh wow mad max they drew first blood not me look johnny let me come in and get you the hell out of there they drew first blood much bigger budget. Warner Brothers wound up in distributing the movie, changing the name for the American audience right. so that it was uh, not really played as a, as a sequel so much as a brand new movie called The Road Warrior. It's reminiscent uh, of another trilogy, uh, of the Evil Dead trilogy. If you remember at the beginning of the second one, they do like a truncated flashback version of the first movie right? because they wanted to release it um, for audiences who had never seen the first one and didn't really need to see the first one. I'm so glad you said Evil Dead trilogy because for me, this trilogy mirrors the Evil Dead trilogy in the way it was done, produced, the way I perceive it. I agree. I mean, it's so similar. Yeah. You got your yeah your low-budget low budget uh, first, first one that, that didn't taken, really know what it was supposed to be. And it was kind of taken more seriously. <laughs> and then the second one, it really hits its stride and goes, okay, we figured out what we are, you know. And then the third one takes it in a really weird way, <laughs> just like Army of Darkness. Exactly. The second <laughs> film, the quality immediately improves because yeah. the budget's bigger, becomes right. more gruesome, more self-aware, and more comedic. Right and then like you just said the third film is something else entirely different yeah they fight in thunderdome he has to fight in that pit yeah in the beginning of the first one and he uses his chainsaw to get out very good very good i'm so glad that i wasn't the only one that noticed that and this one got the really good reviews people consider this a classic i mean people consider the first one a classic too but this is the one where people are like one of the best movies ever made this, it's the better version of the first movie yep. like it's again they just figured out what they were doing Soundtrack was huge for Beyond the Thunderdome, um, but it got pretty much good reviews, although some people complained it had been Hollywoodized. Yeah, definitely. Okay. I think the one thing it contributed most to our pop culture is the word Thunderdome. Welcome to Thunderdome, bitch. All right. So George Miller. George Miller, after doing these films, went on to helm some pretty big films, Scott. Yes. All right. I'm sure you've got your favorites. He directed the best of the uh, Twilight Zone vignettes. He did the one... Nightmare at 20,000 Feet. Yeah, yeah. All yeah right? The John yeah. Lithgow that sees the creature on the wing. Yeah, I like that one. That's by far the best one, but George Miller's biggest work after this is probably Babe. Babe and uh, the Babe sequel. Yeah. Pig in the City. Yep. Witches of Eastwick, Lorenzo's Oil, and of course, another one of your favorites, Scott, Happy Feet. I, uh, I've i never seen Happy Feet. I'm going to be telling your story, Happy Feet, long after you go. More recently, his reboot of Mad, the Mad, Max. Mad Max, yeah, okay, the with uh, Tom Hardy, Fury Road, right, yeah. was nominated for an Academy Award, and really, it was an awesome film. Yeah, vastly better than any of these films. Yes, well, really, the, it took the best part of these three films and made a whole movie about it on the road. Yeah, Road Warrior, especially, watching it, I was like, this is very similar yeah. to Fury Road, in my mind. Um, Which is why I think we can, you know, why we consider this a trilogy, is not only is because the actor is uh, different. That's it's been key. 30 years, and even the director, you know, sees it as a revisiting. Sees it as a revisiting, indeed, as the beginning of a new trilogy that has to do with... Right, because they are making more And in talking about just the only uh, actor that was in all these, we got Mel Gibson, of course. Yeah. Now, if you ask me my favorite Mel Gibson movie, I'll give it to you straight away. I will ask you that then. Okay. I know what it is though. Payback. Great movie. Love payback. So many Mel Gibson movies have to do with revenge. Yeah. Ultimate revenge against people. But he's good for those roles because I don't necessarily think he's a fantastic actor, uh, but I think he's got a certain something for that role, like that tough guy. Well, he's intense. And there's something to be said for being a good physical actor. Yeah. Of course, Mel is all about Lethal Weapon. There are even moments in this trilogy that I think were very reminiscent of Lethal Weapon moments. Oh, God. When like, he's on the beach mourning and yeah. being thoughtful. That's all about. <laughs> or even just there's the moment where and I think the it's. The wife's dead. Johnny Boy is burning his arm with a lighter. And I'm like, does Gary Busey does yeah. that in the first one? Yes. I'm, like, I'm too old for this shit. But of course, you got Braveheart where he won Best Director. I love Chicken Run. It's a great movie bet you do then of course mel went into his strange period things kind of changed for him yeah he saw the passion of the christ yes and then he had a lot of trouble outside <sighs> the movie world so he recently had a little bit of a bounce back with uh hacksaw ridge hacksaw ridge yeah yes. that, that movie did well and he was in daddy's home as well so yeah he's getting cast in other things slowly but surely they're bringing him back Yes. Uh, but yeah, he ran into that whole problem where he got uh, drunk and he uh, said some anti-Semitic stuff to the cop. Right. And he also... Um, he called that female cop sugar tits. Right. <laughs> yeah, that was a pretty good performance, that one. <laughs> <laughs> one hard to forget. My favorite is when he's yelling about lunch. He was planning on making a Maccabees movie, like another right. Bible movie, and someone tried to change the subject and be like... So uh, maybe we should get some lunch. Maybe we should take a break. And get, he was like, oh, yeah, let's have lunch. Let's all have lunch. Who wants to eat? Who the fuck wants to eat?
1: Go have to eat.
0: Hooray! <laughs> the man is good at comedy. What can I say? It seemed like people were just recording Mel for a period of time here. Yeah. And, after the whole <laughs> searching for gold. Five nuggets found in close proximity could indicate a large patch of gold. We would naturally be remiss if we did not mention that, of course mel is a trilogy superstar as he was in the third expendables movie yes okay so and he was almost in the hangover trilogy that's right and because of objections from the cast they wound up not using him you know what scott as they say on the simpsons it's hell being mel are you ready to just kind of do our little bullet points and break into the details of these very insane films scott Yes, I am. All right. And we'll talk a little bit more about some of the other actors as we go. Mad Max. They say people don't believe in heroes anymore. Well, damn them! You want me, Max, we're going to give them back to heroes. A few years from now... The first movie doesn't in any way establish that it's dystopian or bad. Yeah. Like The cops are kind of different, but it could just be in the lawless part of Australia. I, I will say, I think it's kind of interesting. Uh, early on, they're all driving the same car, and then they're like, oh, he's gotten away, and he's, on, he's in a car, and they're like, oh, what kind of car is it? He's like, that's the part that hurts. It's one of ours. And, and then even later, they're like, oh, we got you a new car, Max. It's the same exact car. Clearly, you had a bunch of the same car. Yeah, it's true. That's all you could get. I forget, Yeah, I didn't even realize that. <laughs> and then the rest <laughs> you right. got were like some motorcycles. <laughs> like. <laughs> That's right. Beep, 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 yeah. And then every time they shoot that Hall of Justice, there's like a Hall of Justice theme. It's like, bum, 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 Hall of Justice. But like, at the beginning, they do like a Hall of Justice, then The Road, then a a crow, then like, there's like four shots really quick. You're like, I have no idea what's happening. Meanwhile, at the Hall of Justice. When we first meet Mel Gibson's wife, you get one of the goofiest gags that I think was in a Naked Gun movie, where you think that the... (laughs) The music you hear is the score, and oh, the camera yeah. pans over, and this tiny woman has a gigantic <laughs> sax. She's playing it in real time. Yeah. It's so weird looking. Well, well, the weirdest, too, is the first thing you see is him sitting at the table with a baby just sitting on the table, and like, whose baby is that? Yeah. Like, I at no point did I go, oh, that's his baby. Like, it took me a long time watching the movie to go, oh, that's his baby and this is his family. It's because they use the baby as they need the baby. Yeah. Sort of, they forget about the baby for a while, then the baby's back. I think it's also that clumsy, weird saxophone introduction to the family. That is so strange with that saxophone. It was on her resume, like, I happened to play saxophone. And he was like, fuck it. Yeah, hey. She's looking like Jennifer Grey. A little bit, yes. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. Nobody puts baby in a corner. Isn't there a saxophone solo by the way in like Lethal Weapon? Isn't there like a weird random one? No, but in Shaft, doesn't the bad guy play He plays a, like the clarinet though. He's the clarinet. He's very attached to it the entire when movie. When you see someone randomly playing an instrument and it doesn't necessarily mean anything, it's jarring. <laughs> yeah. Right? <laughs> There's a van getting, like, T-boned, and it goes fucking flying, like, spinning so many times. And you yeah. can tell that they, it must be an empty shell of a car that they're slamming into <laughs> because are like, no car would ever go round and around, like, that many times. You would have to hit it, like... In Like at 4,000 miles per hour. Like, like, upon impact, like paper flies out of the inside of it. You're like, what was yeah. in there? Like, what is that? Bro, <laughs> <laughs> brought my papers from work. Piece of cardboard, <laughs> a piece of wood oh, fell I out. left the windows open. <laughs> oh, they're going everywhere. Papers, please. Papers. Of course. <laughs> Run. Let's talk about Toe Cutter for a second. Sure. Okay. Now, I find it strange that George Miller's bad guys in these films are generally gay guys <laughs> there's just no question about it this bad guy is a combination of eddie Izzard and ogre from avenge of the nerds <laughs> he is very flamboyant pretty good. pretty good the second movie too vernon wells we're gonna talk about him is got his lover is murdered with a, a fucking boomerang for god's yeah. sake yeah the other guy's all butch with the muscles. There's something going on here. There's a subtext. Yeah. No question there's a subtext, right? Mm. These movies are very, like, suggestive in that way, where they don't come out and say, like, those two are fucking each other. You know what I mean? Like, you know, though. <laughs> yeah, but it's like they they like to be extremely suggestive and then not go over the edge. It's okay. It's okay. Ah! Just- ah! 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 Emma! Oh, I love this like George Millerism that he does and I think he does it throughout the movies. But like anytime someone's about to crash, there's that quick cut of their eyes and yeah. they're bulging out of their yes. head. Large Marge. It happened in both I, I, movies. I also thought of total recall at the end oh, where they're like eyes good. are. <laughs> <in>. <laughs> exactly right. Yeah. I, I mean, it's clearly so not real human eyes. So fast, yeah, and they do it several times. But every time, I'm like, I like that. <laughs> I wrote large, Marge. <laughs> this is why she's a ghost. She was. <laughs> yeah, her trailer was hit <laughs> on a night just <laughs> like this. I saw the worst accident I ever seen. There was this sound like a garbage truck dropped off the Empire State Building. Am I the only one uh, when the bikers are in town making trouble and he's doing donuts and that fucking dog is just barking at that bike over and over again? I'm like, yeah, can someone get the dog out of there? Like, I just, I felt the whole time. I'm like, that dog is going to get hurt. Leg. <laughs> <laughs> like, and there's only so many ways you can intimidate people on a motorcycle. Yeah, you can do donuts. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, you can go in a circle. At the end of the day, yeah. I feel like all these villains are almost intimidating and then not. The night. Remember him when you look at the night sky. I will. Toodle pip. Got to be an Australian thing, right? She says at one point. <laughs> well, obviously, don't ask me. I mean, unless you. <laughs> uh, no, Scott. It's I guess not I should. You know, thing. I'm sorry. I should have looked it up. I guess. But jeez. I say tootle pip, tootle pip, tootle pip. You say tootle pip. My word for goodbye. So Mel Gibson's whole thing is he's taking time off now, right? Like ball guys, like take some time off, Mel. You're burnt out, Fifi. Ball guy looking like <laughs> a guy that gets chopped up in the propeller in the first Indiana Jones movie that fights <laughs> right. on the plane. Yeah, this is what Mel does in short order. Here's his vacation. Okay, him and the wife, by a dog. He Tarzan swings into some water. <laughs> then they lay and he talks about his father where's the son no one knows during any of this no one knows I know, where the yeah, son is. i was very concerned Mikey! i'm coming i'm coming Whoa! and that's really what i got scott because we talked about all the crazy shit at the end the the chase at the end the eyeball thing comes up again at the end. Yes. I have one one other thing, though, and this is just, like, a again, again, I think we're talking about, like, it's not even that violent. Yeah. When he gives him the saw. The chain in those hand cuts is high tensile steel. It'll take you ten minutes to hack through it with this. If you're lucky, you can hack through your ankle in five minutes. Go. You're mad, man! I could have gone for one quick shot of him deciding to saw through his leg. Anything. You know what I mean? Thinking about like, it, looking at his predicament. Then, any Scott, anything. Yeah. Just any reaction to that. It was a cool setup. Yeah. And just thrown away. And then you just have this long shot waiting for that explosion to go off. And you're like, oh. Scott, oh, I, I watched think... that last shot of this movie stupefied. Like, this is a cult hit. Like, people love this movie. This is a piece of shit. But it, again, in the <sighs> same way that, like, I like Evil Dead, but I don't love it as much as I love Evil Dead 2. You know what? That's, this it, is it the is one thing. place where the comparison differs for me, Scott because much as it so lines up, I bought into the first Evil Dead more yeah. than I bought into this movie. That's true. Because it was a horror movie. So it's easier to kind of get away with certain things, you yeah. know? It definitely so. had more rules. That's what I think, well, honestly, right off the bat, when you get into Road Warrior, they're, already, they're world building immediately right. with some stuff where it's like, all right, now everything's clearer, you know? And I think that's a perfect transition into talking about Mad Max to the Road Warrior. I didn't mean to sing that I'm sorry I remember a time of chaos, ruined dreams, this wasted land, but most of all, I remember the road warrior, the man we called Max in the beginning. aren't you like, okay, enough narration. We get it. The guy's being very indulgent, he's going on and on he's talk we're seeing footage from wars. Clearly from the past. Yeah. So, yeah. footage from World War One that didn't cause this apocalypse. What do you do? And then they very quickly show you the entire first movie, basically. Yeah, it, like, Yeah, it's really... Point by point. Ordinary men were battered and smashed. Men like Max. The warrior Max. In the roar of an injured, he lost everything. And I think this is a good time to mention the real villain from this movie. We both said before that Commando is our favorite Schwarzenegger movie. Yes. One thing we agree on. Yes, no question. This bad guy is the same bad guy from that movie, Vernon Wells. Yes. Now, Vernon Wells in that movie played, of course, Bennett and got to talk a lot more. But this Vernon Wells, well, he's basically playing yet another version of one of the um, village people. So in that movie he's the leather cop village person, right? In this one he's more of the Native American village person with he, some leather thrown in as well. Yes. But either way he's wearing assless chaps. You you saw that right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Through the whole movie. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Oh, I saw it. But I love him in Commando. Yeah, he's great. Shirt way too tight for him through all of Commando. <laughs> he's wearing like chainmail, right? He's wearing uh- like, again. He's wearing like a bicycle. He looks crazy. I don't need the gun, John. I can beat you. <laughs> I don't need no gun! I'm to kill you now! I like that no one ever sees the old hit the brakes trick coming in these movies. <laughs> like, they're always, like, leading up trying to shoot him through the window, and then uh, hits the brakes, they shoot each other. Classic. But, like, it happens all the time. Clap your hands, everybody, if you've got what it takes. Cause I'm Curtis blow, and I want you to know that these are the boys. I thought the uh, he finds that happy birthday little yeah. thing. I thought that was slightly similar to uh, for a few dollars more with the necklace or whatever that Oh yeah or the pocket watch that plays. Very good. Um, It didn't play in as much as I thought it might into but the movie. trying to sentimentalize that very cold yeah, man it's with kind no of like yeah. the song that soothes the savage yeah. beast. Yes. you know yes. like, very good. Uh, So when the little kid ran up for the first time, the whatever they call him, the feral kid. Feral kid. I immediately went, oh, I didn't know Warwick Davis was in this movie. (laughs) I thought of that, too. I was like, Willow's here. I was like, what is that? The vampire kid from the Lost Boys? What is he doing in this movie? That big friggin caveman bouffant? He keeps styling his hair in the most white trash way imaginable. Well, I was born without the top of my skull and I guess a little bit of my brains was showing as grossing everybody out. So my mom put this wig on me to cover it up and then the bones grew together (laughs) and it got, all infused and entwined. I mean, I don't mean to get all scientific or whatever. It's fucking feral kid who is able to wield a boomerang with a, a remarkable amount of skill. I'm surprised it took us this long to see a boomerang used in these movies, you know? Well, you're in Australia. Do we ever see a kangaroo? No, I don't think so. Or a dingo? Yeah. We really get deep into it when we get into Dundee, baby. Oh, yeah. Folks, if you're looking for some real Australia talk, <laughs> skip ahead to Crocodile Dundee. We probably will have done it exactly <laughs> one year from now. America, you look like you need a holiday. I've tried to throw a boomerang before, and it is extremely difficult. And when it hits something, it doesn't just keep flying. It stops, because you know what? It just hit something. Yeah. that kid didn't throw it at 50 miles an yeah. hour and the kid catches it with his hand. Yeah. What the f- what is this? Well, to be fair, the one of the shots of that kid catching that boomerang was a backwards like re- reverse well, yeah. shot of him throwing it and he was uh, like well, I don't mean he really caught it, but sure. they'd like you to think he caught yeah, it. I know, but <sighs> saying boomerang. You're not fooling me. <laughs> <laughs> hey, this is actually You're like a, a big... real fucking salute, scott <laughs> There are a few times they do that like they use a reverse shot or they, or they do speed or they up speed the up the they speed up the cars uh, and like Multiple times in the third one, yeah, in a big way, and, and, and sometimes not just the cars, like they're speeding up, like him pulling him into the car, like it's just weird little moments. There's the uh, the lead guy of the oil people, right? The uh, blonde guy, right? He's on the flamethrower turret and he's like, like firing and firing, <laughs> right, right? And then there's just the one guy just. Ding. It just shoots, like, one arrow into his, like, oh, and he goes down immediately. He's down for the couch. And I was like, well, that looks stupid. <laughs> Literally nobody else is firing. This one guy just, thump. It's a cool battle, though. It really is. It is. No, it definitely was. But I just lie. thought I was like, for that guy, like, oh, he just went down like such a bitch. Like. Right. And Mel doesn't even give a fuck. He's like, really like Han. He's like, I'm leaving. I'm leaving I, here. Yeah, I wrote that this very Han Solo. And it's also, again, Army of Darkness-esque of him leaving and saying, I did my job. The yeah. deal is done. Why don't you take a look around? You know what's about to happen, what they're up against? You're turning your back on them. What good's a reward if you ain't around to use it? He fucking rides into the darkness where the... The biker guys are looking like the Jun Horde from the Beastmaster jumping around like fools. And they take him immediately. He puts up so little resistance. So It's just dumb. Like, he, like, just think before you do stuff. And then, of course, they kill his dog. Awful. Which is awful. Why? But then I started to think, I was like, it's funny, like, at the end of the first one, his family died, and then he got his revenge. At the end of this one, his dog dies, and then he gets his revenge. Yeah, but it's not like he says, I'm doing this for you, Muffy. I know, but it's I was like, you know. that's That was my dog's name growing up. Your dog's name was Muffy? Yeah. For real. Really? Yeah. Was it like a white little fluffy dog? No. He was a big dog. Named Muffy? Yeah. But I kept thinking because, you know, family dies, revenge. Right. Dog dies, revenge. So next is like his goldfish dies and then he goes and gets revenge in the yeah. Thunderdome. Fishy, oh, fishy, fishy. You know what I think was kind of funny just through this whole movie? Everyone that had a bow and arrow, they weren't like all dark and black. They were like your gym bow and arrow. It was like a yellow bow and arrow (laughs) with a blue tip. It was like a child's play bow and arrow. I I guarantee like in Australia, you probably go to like, you know, the CVS. and They got a bunch. (laughs) The new Nerf bow and arrow is coming your way and it means business. The power is pumping and arrows in your hand. Now your heart is pumping fire as quick as you can. This is when the movie starts getting cool. During the whole escape sequence. Yeah. yeah. I mean this is a great action scene because we get it's like the best part of any of these movies where he's driving away, they're pursuing him and trying to get something. Yeah. Trying to get onto the tanker. It was badass. Yeah. And that's really what the whole reboot was. Yeah. They with the reboot, they isolated the best part of like the first and second, and kind of the third with the train and made the whole movie that. Once again, we send off my war rig to bring back gasoline from Cash Town and Bullets from the Bullet Bar. Which leads us to Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, dying time's here. Immediately in this movie, Scott, fucking monkey. I started to see what you were saying about monkeys, really, in this one. Scott, thank you. They kind of just go to whoever's got the food, whoever's, you know, got the cuddles. Send the police. What's the problem there? The the, the chips kill my my like friends Buttertown looking cool as hell, I thought. Yeah, pretty good. Fight when we meet Auntie Anne. <laughs> Auntie Auntie Anne <laughs> <laughs> I got your pretzels right here, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> we don't need another pretzel. <laughs> Um, See, You made it about The Office again with pretzels I mean, come on Hey, hey, hey (laughs) Trust me, in my life I've experienced more pretzel action than The Office has ever What a pair of Marys This is pretzel day Uh, Yet again, another weird saxophone solo Yeah, yeah Why? (laughs) I just feel like Tina Turner's just grooving out up there She's just like, yeah "Yeah, Maybe that was, I think, maybe George Miller was like I want to have something for your introduction It should be as soulful as as you are You know, like, let's have, like Get the guy with the saxophone, come in here and play Find the eunuch, have him (laughs) play a saxophone Geld him, and then (laughs) give him a saxophone (laughs) And then we got the battle. Yeah. They're out of control on these wires. They're just slamming into each other haphazardly. It looks like when, you know, at uh, Six Flags, when they have, like, the uh, daredevil dive thing where you can go, like, and it's when you come back and they're having a tough time wrangling you. That's the whole fucking fight. (laughs) It's just (laughs) slamming around, knocking into people, trying to get a hold of each other. Like, Cut the rope. Thank you. Yeah. Then you get the argument between... The dwarf and Tina Turner, and I mean, they've given this dwarf so much to say and do in this movie, and he can hardly do anything. Yeah. And then Tina jumps down and delivers a crazy, like, monologue in the round. Yeah, right? <laughs> like, leaps down there. You're like, whoa. Whoa i didn't know you had it in you she, tina she's really hamming it up let's not kid ourselves yeah she's fine through the whole well, you movie, gotta embrace it in this kind of movie you know? Nah, like, you know that's a really that's a good point how <laughs> could you do anything but just emote like hell yeah yeah you're right what's this you think i don't know the law wasn't it me who wrote it and i say that this man has broken the law right or wrong we had a deal and the law says bust a deal face the will to deal and face the wheel I wrote my notes here this is utter insanity now <laughs> a wheel T is like don't try and buy a vowel. <laughs> I thought it was gonna be like a wheel, like they put them on it and maybe like throw knives or shoot something at it. And it's like, no, nah, it's just like a you know a normal wheel. that Picks things for you, like and like it's, it's like a, the wheel of lunch. It's like, like it's, ridiculous things. It's like uh, <laughs> Tina Turner's choice, uh, <laughs> yeah. buried in the desert. It's and you know by the way, Tina Turner's choice is my favorite coffee to have in the morning. The best part of waking up, Tina, Tina Turner, Turner in, in your cup. cup. <laughs> why risk another spin? Cream cheese, coffee cake. That's it. And then also the uh, the horse dies like tauntaun style, <laughs> <laughs> like, like slowly just like it dies. That's true, he just kind of stumbles in <laughs> like, and then oh, oh shit, Nope, oh, um, That's well, enough. Doesn't quicksand require moisture? This thing. Is like why would the horse keep walking that way? Wouldn't the horse eventually just stop without being no. prompted to it's continue going it's just like going going? in the never-ending story when the kid's horse dies in the in the mud. Yes, Artex. In the, in the bog. His name is Gore-Tex? Artex. 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 There you have it. Artex! Fighting against the sadness, Artex! I really like when Mel gets there and he's, uh, you know, they're like explaining the, yeah, and you're the pilot, and yeah. you're going to fly us here. And it's just, Christ, you guys are all crazy. <laughs> like, he like immediately is like, yeah, no. <laughs> I'm not going to even pretend to, like, you know, use you. Like, I thought maybe I'm like, maybe he'll just pretend to be the captain. No, he doesn't even For his it. own purposes. And nope. he's just like, no, wow. No, they drag him out to the plane, and he's like, yeah, I can't do shit here. <laughs> yeah, it's broken. Uh, so He's like, I'm, I came out here simply <gasps> to show you how wrong you are. <laughs> yeah, he just looks basically, like, raises his hands up. And like, just walks away, and they're the- like, uh... Kids are, like, kids are like, God just died. What do we do next? <laughs> yeah. Again, another, and I think, you know, maybe this is too much, but again, another Army of Darknessism, uh, when he shoots his gun and they're all like, whoa, and he's yeah. like, now listen up, all of you. It's, it's exactly the moment from uh, Army of Darkness. He shoots like, this is my boomstick. You're going to listen to me, you primitive a- and screwheads. And it's the same kind of gun. It's a sawed off shotgun. Right. Yeah. So So, obviously there was influence I think it's possible, Scott, that they don't even realize How closely these trilogies mirror one another And it takes trilogy experts like ourselves to truly bring this out That's true, I mean, it's constantly in our our brain If I see this theory on the internet, I'll know where it came from We'll know Um, so I like when they rescue Master They change his costume And he's dressed like a little professor Yeah why is he dressed that way I saw that too I don't know But well, I thought it was adorable Yeah like, it was and, adorable I was like he looks good now Like I like You're that. with us now Dress like <laughs> you've been here That's before. what I mean It's not even like dress like us It's like dress yeah. like A character you've never seen In any of these movies before Yeah Like I... a full suit Poor little bugger He's so small He's like a dog or something so, you know, they catch up to the guy in the plane, the guy from the second movie, who yep. also flew a plane. <laughs> Look, they, they keep using in the plane, there's that little hole in the back of the plane that they're, like, running up and, like, pulling themselves into. Yeah. And all the shit. And then, like, right after they take off, the plane does, like, a hard left turn, and they're like, they would have all fallen out of the plane. <laughs> how they do, just all would How have do ten out. people fit in that little tiny plane? Yeah. And then they show them, too, like, as the plane's flying, there are, like, three of them have their heads sticking out of the back, and I'm like, I don't do that. <laughs> But again, you know, that ending with Tina was bullshit. Yeah. Of her just like, I really respect you. I don't know if they thought they were gonna make another and maybe she'd come back. I don't know. That's what it felt like. Because how do you leave that as an open relationship and they don't there's no reckoning? Well, ain't we a pair? Raggedy man. All right. So That was it, my brother. Yeah. We cut through this very, in my opinion, overrated trilogy. But there's still some more work to do. So, Phil, uh, you know, usually we have a a Phil bit, um, and we were a little behind. A little bit my fault, I guess, but we were a little behind, and we forgot to assign him Anything. I mean, I reached out to him and I was like, stay by the phone. Be ready. Yeah. And we kind of fucked up. So um, we actually uh, have a, a voicemail here from him. Uh, we haven't really talked to him in a while. So we're just going to play it here and in place of the report, I s- submit guess. Submit this. Yeah. You sent me nowhere. I'm sick of this. Yeah, you'll tell me you had me for, for a mission. You're not lying about that. You wanted me to go on a mission for Mad Max. You're not lying. You're totally lying. I don't want to be the West Coast correspondent anymore. Every time I come out, I get maimed. I get beat up. I was mistaken for a pedophile. and record your episode. don't ever sit yourself out here i'm sick of this. wow geez uh um, who knew he would react that way it's it's definitely an overreaction i'd say i think so but yeah. it just hints at the kind of person phil is he has a tendency to you know what i i'm not going to feel bad in the future when he gets hurt from now on that's you know <laughs> i never felt bad scott yes we are to the end. We are of the Mad Max trilogy, and I have a sense that you and I are going to be exactly the same. Perhaps. All right. I'm going to throw mine out there first. Yes. And you can agree if you want. But for me, this is an unsuccessful trilogy. And for me, the order is two, three, one. Hmm. Two, three, one. I felt like the second one was the most interesting by far. That last. Uh, Perhaps twenty minutes, thirty minutes—the big chase. Yeah. All right. Three had a couple of those qualities, and I liked some of the stuff um, involving the setup of Barter Town, but it was a real letdown from what I expected. And then um, that first movie—I just thought the first movie was a piece of shit. I'm not going to lie to you. I just there was very little I liked about the first movie. Yeah, I mean, I'll agree with you know some of your points. Um, yeah, I think ultimately I'm going to have to say it's an unsuccessful trilogy. Mm um which i hate to say cuz i think it is a, it's a very it's a highly influential no doubt. to no a doubt. lot of different films and uh you know obviously a a big uh cult favorite and you can't fault it for attempting to be original right yeah and i actually i kind of like I, I like movies that take place in like a world like this and i like Me silly too. you know you know I, I like that kind of sensibility in mm-hmm. movies so um but yeah i i think i'm going to say it's an unsuccessful and i'm going to have to i might go I might go a two, one, three. Mm, okay. And truly only because the, it's the first one. You know what yeah. I mean? Like it sort of set the tone and began everything. I think it's got a lot of like heart of what, you know, he wanted to do. And then I, I don't know. the third Just one not realized me. yet. Yeah. And the third, and I think the second one is awesome. Yeah. I, mean, I really enjoyed the second it's one cool. because it's the best version Uh, it's the better version of the first one, really, and the more fleshed out, a bigger world. You you can really feel, you have an explanation for why the world is the way it is suddenly. And then the third one, I thought they just got real silly with it. We talked about in a lot of these movies, and like the third one especially, uh, that's when like the weird cameos start to happen. You know what I mean? Like, even, Kay. like, the third Oceans, we got Pacino all of a sudden. Kind of kitchen in it. sink and throwing everything yeah, in. Yeah, so, so it, it felt kind of like that. Yeah, right. And, and felt like a sort of, while being, like, you know, very Peter Panish it felt Disney-fied. It did yeah. feel sort of, a little, of co- a little saccharine, a little saccharine sweet. it out. All, all right. right. So, yeah. All right. Well, thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen, for listening to the Trilogy Podcast. I'm Vin. I'm Scott. And we're always trying to bring you both the uh, the popular big blockbuster trilogies and the lesser known trilogies. Whether they begin in the 70s or they begin in the 2000s, we're here to bring you all the trilogy action please check us out on instagram which is uh, what i run and i really try and parallel what we're talking about and scott uh i run the uh, twitter uh, so check that out we do uh, a lot of polls related to our current trilogy and some other fun gifts. ultimately and stuff. we want you to tell your friends about this podcast and really we know that you're going to be listening to the episodes where you've seen the trilogy but take a listen to the ones where you may not have seen the trilogy they're still entertaining we're still bringing you good information yeah All right, Scott, you ready to strap on that leather and uh, ride to the distance with me, brother? I'm ready to ride. Wearing a cod. I want you in a (laughs) codpiece. You disobey me, puppy. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Good day. Toodle pip, everyone. Looking for some juice.